Welcome to another episode of Good Morning Camera. I am your host, Gadget, and as always, joined by my co-host, my, my, my compadre, my creator in arms, Anthony. Anthony, how are you doing today? Excellent, man. I am pretty stoked for today's creator draft pick. I got a fire one, and it's super unexpected. I did not expect this. I was the most skeptical about this creator draft pick, and now it's a creator draft pick. So let's get into it. What's going you, down? you heard from him. You heard it from him. We end every show with our creator draft picks. But first, we're going to start with some exciting news happening in the imaging space. We're going to talk about DJI. They had an event last week announcing some new products. Uh, I think some people, they, they didn't know what to expect. So when you looked at the live chat for this event, there was a lot of confusion going all around. But let's not pay any attention to that. Let's focus on what they did talk about. And that is their newest Pro Gimbal, the DJI RS3 Pro. Now, they have mm -hmm. an RS3 and an RS3 Pro. The RS3 is supposed to be a replacement for their sort of mid-tier enthusiast gimbal, their RC2, and the RS3 Pro is now their top tier that sits above the RS2. A lot mm -hmm. of acronyms there, uh, a lot of numbers <laughs> and letters, but let's just talk about their newest high-end gimbal Anthony, tell us about this thing. Yeah, so I uh, watched a number of reviews on this uh, before you even sent me this. So uh, it's it looks pretty slick, uh, but I think you got to watch the Potato Jet review. Um, and Potato Jet is just a awesome filmmaker out in uh, L.A. And uh, his review was so sick. Uh, he, he got some shots of like a motorcycle riding on a street with like an 85 millimeter lens. And he had to mount that gimbal to a car. So it just goes to show what you can do with this uh, gimbal and it looks super smooth sick video review uh, people should definitely check that out if they haven't seen it these DJI gimbals they're they're separated by weight right and then and then they have some pro like wireless connectivity features that are, are gonna separate each individual gimbal so the RSC2 had a 6.6 .6, uh, pound uh, weight capacity the RS3 also has a 6.6 pound weight capacity. The RS2, that jumps up to the 10 pound. And then the RS3 Pro also jumps up to 10 pounds as well. But the big thing is with this new RS3 Pro is they increase the size of the space where your camera actually fits. So uh, when you tilt the gimbal, like sometimes with certain cameras, you're like smacking the top of the, the gimbal or the top of the gimbal with hits the top of the camera and then you're just limited in the areas uh, that you can kind of tilt that gimbal so they did increase the size of this space so i was thinking like cameras like the fx6 this is going to be great for them or even taller mirrorless cameras that have the battery grip like the z9 was always a problem that like you would have to do some serious research on on to see what gimbal would actually fit this is the gimbal for that particular camera. They've also added a LiDAR focusing assist module, which is wild because this essentially makes any lens autofocus, no matter uh, if it's a manual lens or not. You have to YouTube. I don't know. Have you seen this gadget? Uh, do you watch Make Art Now? Uh, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Make Art Now did a sick review of LiDAR and their whole technology and what you can do. And he used this like manual vintage lens uh with lidar technology and it tracked him like spot on it was it was 
it was crazy. This technology is actually nuts. Uh, they've added a new focus motor that uh, includes some tracking abilities as well. There's a whole list of stuff, but I think uh, the wireless transmitter is also a huge deal. And we can talk more about that uh, in a sec here, but that's kind of like an overview of what this gimbal can do. You know why I love this show is because even though it's presented by Henry's, it is unsullied by sponsorships, right? Where we're not paid for or bought by anyone, which yeah. allows me to go ahead and say, you know what? I hate gimbals. I am not a fan yeah, of gimbals. I, I, I'm not I a feel fan they're, they're they're convoluted. They're, they're, they're just not easy enough. And I think sometimes, and maybe most times, they're a cop-out for intentional filmmaking and, and, and shot listing and storyboarding. That being said, there's mm -hmm. no denying there are some value to gimbals, especially for independent creators or, or single operators and doing things that are otherwise would be way more expensive or way more challenging or way more involved. So let me say this. While I'm impressed with the technology, I, I, I can't get too excited about another gimbal. You know, I have an old <laughs> one kicking around, does the job. Yeah. I use it reluctantly. It's there. So let me get that out of the way. So I look at something like the DJI RS3 Pro, and to be honest, it seems like some interesting upgrades, right? You have a little bit more mm -hmm. clearance for your professional cameras. You have a little bit better battery life, and it still works in that DJI RS ecosystem, right? When you're looking to attach uh, different peripherals, different control modules, it has the Raven Eye system in their Pro Kit, which allows you to hook it up to your camera and focus your lenses with the DJI app as well. Really cool mm -hmm. stuff. I'm not denying that this is great technology. I mm -hmm. just feel like there isn't enough here to have someone like me, uh, a more traditional cinematographer, super <laughs> excited about another gimbal. And I get that it's been about two years and they got to give it a little bit of an update and release something new. And it's great. This doesn't necessarily replace their existing products. You essentially now have four products in this lineup instead of two, right? You have the mm -hmm. two existing older models and two newer models. So you just have better price differentiation. When someone is coming in, they can decide what's important to them. Because if you don't need the auto unlocking system and the additional clearance and slightly better battery life, you can get an RS2 at a much more bargain price and still mm -hmm. get that payload capacity and, and what I think still decent, more than decent battery life. So what yeah. they've done here is built in a lot of conveniences, uh, built in some unique features that will appeal to more pro enthusiast filmmakers and maybe even commercial cinematographers. Am I excited about this? I'm I'm not excited. I guess this takes me to the sort of the next question. And I let me just give you my answer. I think gimbals kind of peaked. You know, we're reaching that saturation <laughs> point where it's like, well, how much more easier, yeah. convenient, powerful can a gimbal be? And when I say peaked, I mean, look, battery life can always get better. Payload capacity, technology, materials, those things can always get better, right? Mm -hmm. But the... The overall operation, I, mm -hmm. I don't think there is anything massive going to be happening here. It's similar to, you know, smartphones nowadays. Yes, there's always going to be a better iPhone. It's going to get incrementally better, but it's not going to mm -hmm. be that significant eye-opening experience that changes how you interact with the world around you, right? It's a piece of glass with a display behind it that you interact with. Same thing with gimbals. I 
I think they're either close to or they've peaked. So I don't want to diminish how cool this product is. <laughs> that LiDAR technology you talked about, yeah. again, I, I don't think that adds to the sort of, like, it's great if something is really close to you, but as soon as it moves a bit too far away, it's going to throw the whole thing off. And, you know, it's just not there yet with respect to what other systems can do in terms of reading a sensor and using phase detect autofocus. So I yeah. think, I believe, gimbal technology has pretty much peaked. How do you feel? Yeah, I would agree with that, but I think like the I think it's the additional features that they're adding to gimbals. Um, like I think we should talk about the video transmitting system, uh, but the lidar technology, it does have a range of fourteen mil, uh, meters, which is actually quite that's quite a, a distance fourteen meters, and you're gonna essentially ensure that you are getting an in-focus shot and it's tracking like subjects that whether it's a people, uh, whether it's people or a motorcycle or a car, I think that's pretty awesome. 14 millimeter, 14 meters is, uh, I think that's plenty, but then this isn't for the average person. I think this is probably more for the studio house uh, kind of creator where you have like a number of cameras, especially the high-end cameras with, uh, they're just bigger, right? And then you're attaching bigger cinema lenses. You have a huge weight capacity uh, on that gimbal. So I, I agree for the average person, I don't think this is very exciting at all. Personally, I don't. I I never really use gimbals, um, so this isn't for me. But for the person working in the production house, the studio house, that type of creator is probably pretty stoked about this. And you can see it in some of the reviews when the this gimbal gets handed off to other creators, and they go, "Oh my gosh! Like this is crazy! Like let's put something bigger on this." And then like you can see the excitement in those people when they get that, and then they have this huge camera rig set up. And they have it, they're able to stabilize that footage. I think that is pretty huge. And then, like I said, that video transmission system. I don't know. <laughs> we, we should probably talk about that because. Uh, yeah, yeah. We can, we, we, we can talk about though. that. Look, you can order, you can pre order your RS3 and RS3 Pro at Henry. They're available for pre order. I don't think a lot of people with an RS2 are going to be upgrading. I really think this is just an upper tier for pros that might have an older gimbal or no gimbal at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I don't want to diminish the product. It's a great product. Just not something that I think has that mass appeal uh, as no. much anymore. So you've mentioned it, you hinted at it. Let's talk about a new product category. Oh, not product category, but a new product for them. The DJI, mm -hmm. DJI introduced. It's funny how like it's DJI and no matter where <laughs> you want, people want to say DGI, Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyways, <laughs> I digress. DJI announced their DJI transmission. I looked around. I'm like, is, is it ju is it just called trans? It's just called DJI transmission. Yeah. I, I don't know in a post-COVID <laughs> environment if that's a great product name. Uh, but look, it's called the DJI transmission. And you can buy them as a kit or separately. But what it is, it is a transmitter that has HDMI and SDI. And it takes those signals, so your traditional HDMI digital signal or an SDI signal, and it will broadcast that signal to mm -hmm. a receiver. From the research that I've done so far, it seems like the only uh, device that can pick up this information would be a DJI video receiver 
or their app. And I'm not too sure about the app because again, the information is kind of spotty on this right now, but let's just say it's their actual video monitor. And mm -hmm. this monitor will receive that signal, will give you a preview, will allow you to record proxy files uh, on the device itself. And what it maintains is just incredible range and really smart wireless switching. So you have that constant connection that you can be kilometers away and still get video transmission. And while you might not be kilometers away in most instances, if you are going through walls or through ceilings and floors, it's just saying that it's going to give you that reliability. This is new for them. This is either competing with multiple products or one product. Now, if you look at the high-end industry, they have Teradex that they use. Teradex, they make these wireless transmitters and receivers, you know, really up there in cost. You're looking at mm -hmm. minimum five to $6,000 to get started with that type of product. Um, you also can kind of build your own modular system, right? You can pick up things like Hollyland. They make wireless transmitters, receivers that you can then plug into a monitor of your own choosing, which you can buy a monitor for, you know, starting as low as $200 and build your own little solution. Might not have the range as something like this. So what DJI is saying is like, look, we're going to, we've proven that we can do wireless video transmission, especially if you've used our gimbal products. We're going to build something dedicated for that. We're going to build something that fits into our ecosystem and comes in at a more aggressive price, you know, around $3,000 Canadian if you want them both. So much more affordable than a Teradex system, more expensive, significantly more expensive if you're building your own ad hoc solution. But for that, you get the conveniences that DJI brings to the table. So looking at this announcement, what were your first impressions? I think this is cool. And I think that range is like, that's unbelievable. They're saying you can get up to 20 kilometers away and still have control over your camera and your gimbal. Like that's so far. That's like you're working on a movie set. And that's why I think this is like a production house kind of mini but like maybe a lower budget movie. This is where I think they're going to love this product. Uh, and also I was thinking about like normally in the past, if you're doing a follow shot in a car, you got to build out this like massive rig and it's going to take up the whole backseat of a car. Uh, and then when you look at Potato Jet's video, it's his uh, wife or girlfriend sit driving his car and then he's sitting in the passenger seat with the monitor monitoring everything he's seeing all the con uh, controls and then he's he's moving the monitor and the gimbal is moving with the monitor and he's getting the shot just like that super easy there are companies that specialize in getting these types of shots where you're following somebody in a car and it's like this whole like car specially made for this getting this type of shot right and then dji comes out and they they release something like this and now you can literally get this shot with you and like a buddy driving your car right so like i think that's where it gets super exciting and yeah i do agree like there was a lot of like technical jargon listed in this press release and they were saying that 
you know, it essentially means that you're going to get uninterrupted and incredibly stable feed. That's where, like, we were, you were talking about the app and such. I think the app might be a little bit sketchy for somebody who just, like, absolutely needs to get the shot, whereas, like, this device seems super reliable, uh, and that's what DJI is kind of marketing this as. And that's, again, why I think this is more of a production house kind of thing. Um, and I think that's that's pretty exciting that you can get, like, that kind of shot in such a small little compact package. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the product page, they are marketing this toward production houses and and filmmakers and really, you know, studios even, studio solutions. I mean, in their product page, they're mentioning things like the Alexa Mini LF. So they are looking to compete with those places that are using systems like a Teradek. And here's the thing. It has to be incredibly convenient and easy to use to compete. (laughs) Because, you know, sometimes price is not the most important things for these, you know, productions and studios and filmmakers and cinematographers. And that it really comes back to reliability. So this is a brand new product for them. I'm interested to see what the pickup is like. Because Mm -hmm. Hollywood, they don't just go on specs, right? Like, you know, Red comes out with all these fantastic cameras with 8K resolution (laughs) and all the things that they can do. Most of these places will use a 4K, 4.6K sensor from Ari Alexa and just use that for the solution. Like, Ari is the one that is owning most of those big-budget movies and productions and award-winning films. So that is to say, that is to sort of uh, give you a little bit more background that it's not enough to be a great product, uh, an affordable option, um, and and just convenient. You have to be excellent. You have to be jaw-dropping good and, and more than that, reliable for people to go over and move from one ecosystem to another. So I'm not saying it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. I'm just saying that those are the standards. <laughs> if that's where you're marketing to and that's the industry you want to appeal to, well, it has to be that good. So I'm, I'm interested to see what the pickup is like. Right off the bat, it looks like a convenient solution. It looks like mm-hmm. something that people can just sort of I hate to say plug and play because it's not that easy, but to have the ability to see your footage remotely, to have a focus puller that might be much further away, to have that proxy recording option right on the device and a really bright display to use it on, it just seems like, oh, this is nice. Here is one solution. You pay all up front for it. You get a transmitter, you get a receiver, and it's just going to work. If it delivers on that promise, Kudos to them, and and I, and I think it's going to appeal to more people because it brings that you know average cost down. But enough, enough about <laughs> DJI. We're we're getting closer to the end of the episode, and I want to make some time for our friends at Moment here. You know, Moment mm. they've been doing some interesting things with mobile lenses, filters, and bags over the years. They've been doing a lot of stuff, and they just announced their newest Kickstarter. And so far, they've raised almost $400,000 in about Mm -hmm. three days, maybe? (laughs) Three days? Wild, wild stuff. And what they announced is a lens slash adapter. It is technically a lens that you adapt on your lens. It has a filter thread, a customizable filter thread that you can use, and you adapt it to your lenses. And what this does is give you an anamorphic uh, squeeze option on your lenses. It Hmm. will take the properties of an anamorphic lens, 
where it takes a wider field of view and squeezes it onto your sensor, right? Gives you that optical quality of the streaks from light sources. And again, it's an adapter. So you don't have to buy one for every single lens you have. You have one that you adapt to your lenses. Look, I got we got to talk more about this, but I want to give you some <laughs> some time here to give us your first reaction to this. So I did watch the Kickstarter. It was kind of interesting. I, I noticed that like slight decrease in sharpness that they were talking about, um, that it, it kind of give it like a almost like a diffused look, and I thought that was that was pretty nice. I also noticed um, that there was like that nice like warping effect to the bokeh, uh, that like anamorphic lenses are well known for um but i feel like they did kind of hype up the flares a bit too much um because polar pro has an anamorphic flare map box and like filter set that mark bone uses quite a bit and mark bone awesome documentary videographer um out in hamilton and he uses those filters all the time uh and those filters i thought looked better than this adapter in terms of like the flares um i liked the distortion that happens uh in in those anamorphic lenses but i didn't feel like that was like true to what a true anamorphic lens might do um so i watched the the kickstarter i feel like i wasn't jumping around as much as like they were uh in the kickstarter but it is it is kind of interesting that you can adapt this to any lens that's pretty cool so uh, kudos to them uh, I don't know if it's if it's gonna be what they say it is in the Kickstarter. I don't know. I I didn't get that. I wasn't super pumped about this. I didn't feel like it was like a huge difference in the look, but there were some interesting features uh, about this lens for sure. Yeah, when I look at this product, I, it, it's clear that a lot of time and consideration went into this thing, right? And it seems like mm -hmm. they spent years sort of developing this. Um, I don't mind the sort of decrease in sharpness and more of that anamorphic look because it's going to make your footage seem less crispy and contrasty and less of that yeah. digital look. I, I really feel like it adds to the look more than it takes away. Again, Agreed. this is just looking at the sample footage and some of the screenshots here. I, I, this is one of those things where I'm excited for it. I just don't know if it would be something that I would get for my kit. Yeah. There are times to use the anamorphic product. The projects and, and, and clients that I have don't necessarily mm -hmm. lean into this type of look right away, right? When you're going with an anamorphic lens, you're taking something that might be a traditional 16 by 9, 17 by 9, and you're stretching it to a 2.35 by 1 aspect ratio, essentially making it wider, right? Think about those yeah. movies that have the big, wide black bars at the top and bottom, and it's wide, and it just gives you a wider field of view. That's what anamorphic lenses provide. So in an increasingly digital, vertical world, <laughs> when it comes to content, Anamorphic is becoming more of a specialty product where it's for films and independent filmmakers and maybe YouTubers where they want to make a wider video so that mm -hmm. when you flip your phone, you know, sideways to watch a YouTube video, it has more of that look. But again, you're looking at it on your phone. And I think that a two by one aspect ratio might be more uh, favored for YouTube than 2.3 mm -hmm. by five. That is all to say, Really cool product. I think it is something that 
I would like to see more content made for it, right? I think what yeah. makes this appealing is that, you know, for about a thousand bucks, you can make any almost any one of your existing lenses an anamorphic lens. And that's mm -hmm. the interesting thing, right? It is not something that you're yeah. buying and you're kind of locked into one focal length. You buy this and then you have, well, whatever lens is above 35, I think when I'm looking at their chart, it seems like you can use it on, you know, uh, wider focal length, but it really works well for things that are 35 and higher, right? Mm -hmm. So looking at that, I, I, I want to see more. <laughs> I felt like yeah. I've said this on the show <laughs> and, uh, in previous episodes is that, you know, there's always something new, always something exciting and innovating. And, I, and I'm, I'm kudos to them because it's a super innovative product. I want to see more. I want to see what it can actually feel like in the field. Um, the obstacle qualities off the bat look interesting to me. The flares, you know, it could be used nicely, but yeah. I can also see it being a bit of a pain, a bit of a headache. So if you sort of commit to this anamorphic look and then there's a scene where the lights are ne not necessarily in your favor, well, you're going to have to work around that as well. All in all, though, I guess to summarize, I'm excited I'm not quite sure if it's something I would add to my kit just yet. Just yet. I wish there was a little bit more distortion in the bokeh. And um, I that's one thing that I love about Anamorphic. Uh, that distortion in the bokeh, it's so unique. Um, and I didn't necessarily see a ton of it. Like, it was, it was slightly there. But, like, it's not like super noticeable, like, when you actually use an Anamorphic lens, you know that it's an Anamorphic lens, right? I think, you know, is people should investigate the Polar Pro filters um, to get that, like, the, the flares that they're looking for, um, opposed to something like this. But I wish there was that more, I was that, I was missing that distortion that I wanted to see in the bokeh. And that's what, that's why I was like, a little bit, uh, I was like, oh, man, like, I wish there was just a little bit more, you know what I mean? But, Gadget. We're almost at the end here, and I got to save some time. I want to talk creator draft picks. What's going on, man? Okay, what, okay. What do you got? Look, I went back and forth, and I'm, I, <laughs> I, I, I kept updating the notes. I'm, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. My creator draft pick, I've only spent a few days with it. I haven't spent enough time. But so far, <laughs> I've gotten it to work, so I will talk about it. It is a Tilta Nucleus M focus system wireless focus system tilta mm -hmm. if you go to their website and you search nucleus m they have this uh enthusiast pro i guess enthusiast to pro let's call it in that range focusing mechanism and what this allows you to do is especially if you're shooting video i don't think you'd ever use it for photography uh yeah. for video shooters out there and cinematographers out there it allows you to add a focusing gear to a lens and then manually focus your lens for video production. And how this works is they have multiple kits, but essentially it's one piece that goes onto a 15 millimeter or even a 19 millimeter rod to the side of your camera. You can add a ring. If your lens is not a cinema lens, you can add a rubber ring around it that gives it teeth for the gears to lock into. And then you have handles. You can have one handle on the camera. You can get a wireless hand unit as well. And this allows you to manually pull focus. So why is this useful? Well, when you're making, you know, whether it's a movie or a commercial, what have you, sometimes you can't trust autofocus. 
Some cameras mm-hmm. might not support a level of autofocus that you need for your work. Some lenses don't have or support autofocus, such as vintage <laughs> lenses. So in these instances, you need a way to pull focus, especially if you're moving the camera or the subject is moving in the frame. Tilta, I've been using it so far and it has worked quite reliably. I haven't been able to use it on a production yet. We got this for a production next month that's going to require more movement and more dynamic stuff. And, you know, it's just going to be much more difficult to just do those shots and take a lot more time, you know, trying to rack those shots separately. And especially Mm -hmm. if you're doing it by hand, well, it's not going to be accurate and probably take more time or just not look good. With this, it allows us, it allows the operator to hold the camera, look at the monitor and pull focus with one of their fingers as the subject is moving or as they're moving. And to take it even a step further, it gives the option for the operator just focus on composition and someone else wirelessly control focus and pull focus. So my pick for this episode is the Tilta Nucleus M wireless focus system. There's different bundles that they offer so you can get what you need for your level of production. I went Mm -hmm. with a partial kit because I only want to control focus. So far, it has impressed me. I've been using it on my kids around the house. We have a baby that kind of rolls around to his own volition. And look, it, it's worked incredibly well. Enough about my pick. What do you have for us this episode? Yeah, dope pick for sure. I've seen so many reviews on that Tilta Nucleus system, and uh, it seems pretty slick. And that's how you know you're legit. You know, you're moving up in the world, Gadget. <laughs> I don't know but... about that, but uh, I'll take any compliment <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Okay, so I was super uh, suspect over this product. Um, I think I was actually the first person to get the Jova uh, Joby Wavo Air in uh, in within the Henry's company. I actually had a meeting with Joby about this product, uh, and they told me in this meeting that they signed a deal with an audio brand to collaborate and make their own Joby branded mic. And like I said, I was super suspect over this mic. I was like, this is first iteration of Joby audio products. I was like, this this can't be like that fantastic. Then I got the I asked them to send me the Wavo Air and I, they did and um, I got this microphone and it's a it's a two lav mic system just like the Rode Wireless Go Two and I use the Rode Wireless Go Two quite a bit. I'm always like slightly unimpressed because I am a little bit of an audio buff uh, and I'm always slightly unimpressed with the Rode Wireless Go Two but there's two main features that make this Joby mic the best lav mic system in this price range so you have to whoa whoa the best whoa yeah i'm not no joke man so listen to this okay rode wireless go 2 goes for 399.99 on our website the wavo air goes for 349.99 you're getting a 50 50 price difference between the two mics but there's two features that make this microphone much better. You can adjust each mic separately, which is awesome because I've used the Rode and one person was quite quiet and the other person was much louder. And then that audio just gets put into one video file and fixing that in post is just like a nightmare. Um, Whereas with the Joby mic, uh, it has a plus and minus button on the side of each mic so you can turn up the microphone on one mic and not affect the other. 
My also, my main gripe with the wireless GoTo is that it clips very easily. And I think you've realized this uh, as well too, Gadgen. It's so easy to clip that microphone and it is not the case on the Wavo Air. Um, <laughs> it was actually kind of kind of crazy, okay? Uh, I've, I've recorded, I think, probably about four videos with this Wavo Air. And I recorded um, these videos in a Henry's location with staff and like customers laughing, talking all throughout like the recording. And then the first time I used this mic, I was thinking like, oh God, this is going to be, this is not going to be good. Like there's so many customers within the store and I'm recording. Uh, and then I get back to the computer and I applied like a small bit of noise reduction. And it was honestly like it was just me in the store. I was in our Lime Ridge location, which is in a mall. And like I'm recording a video and it sounds like it's just me in the store. And you can see customers walking in the background throughout this video. Uh, and yeah, I was just so blown away with this microphone. And especially at this price point, the fact that it's a two mic system made by Joby, this is completely shocked me. I thought this was not going to be great. And I think this is actually the best mic system in this price range. So that's my pick. It's the Joby wow. Wavo Air. It is a hype microphone. Okay. 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 <laughs> Look, I, I'm not going to add more to that. I'm going to have to test this thing out. And we'll probably even talk about it in a future episode. I mean, you've piqued my interest. But yeah. that is all the time we have for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. And thank <laughs> you for sharing. If you have... Uh, a few minutes please do leave us a review on itunes if you're listening to the show there it does help people discover the show and if you know any other camera imaging enthusiast creators let them know about good morning camera let's hope let's help to grow this audience together as always my name's gadget his name's anthony and we'll see you next time see you.